Are you not having the success you want with your direct bookings? Perhaps you are tired of feeling like you are out of your depth and wish there was an easier way. Well, I've got an exclusive free training coming up that just might help. Join me on April 4th when I will share the top three mistakes that I consistently see vacation and short-term rental property managers make in their desire for direct bookings that could be costing you major profits. I will also be sharing my top tips in building your own direct booking sales engine that will bring in those direct bookings while you sleep. Come and join in the fun. Head to my website, directbookingsuccess.com, and click on the free training button to join me on April 4th, because you deserve your own direct booking success. You are listening to the Direct Booking Success Podcast, bringing you all the information you need for your short-term rental to stand out from the crowd. I'm your host, Jen Boyles. As an owner and manager myself, I know how hard it can be to navigate the hospitality industry. I'm here to help, so you too can have direct booking success. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Direct Booking Success Podcast. I'm Jen Boyles, your host, and today I have with me Daniela Darren, all the way from Marbella, Spain. Hi, Daniela. How are you today? Hi, Jen. I'm very well, and thank you so much for having me today in your uh, very successful direct booking podcast. <laughs> That's great. No, I'm <laughs> glad you're here. So let's start with your background and how you became to get into this business and what you are doing down in Marbella. Well, at the moment, we run together with my partner, Vincenzo, 90 apartments on this uh, beautiful building you can see behind me. And our origins are in the United States. In fact, we started in the last century, 1998, when all bookings were direct Mm -hmm. of people walking into our office asking for a month's rental or a week rental and the people that were kind of booking in advance would pick up the phone and say, well, book me something. But they couldn't see the actual something until they got here. Because in real, I mean, real estate and holiday rentals in Marbella have always been connected in the sense that when the holiday season comes, like July and August or Easter, we would rent for holiday what we had available for, uh, for sale and it has, hadn't sold. So people really never knew where they ended up staying, but they always knew it was something in the center and something near the beachfront. And that was just good for 98, 99, 2000. So let me just stop you there, Daniela. So the, the places that you had for sale, you would rent them out for holidays yeah. in the summer months. Yeah. Or during Easter or during... I mean, anytime, sometimes even at Christmas, somebody would walk into the office and say, I'm here for the week. What do you have? And I'd say, okay, this one, this one, the other one. Because, I mean, it's only a week in real estate. It doesn't really make a difference selling a place now or in a week or two or three weeks. So, and it, and it was kind of socially accepted. So, and then I think it was not until 2010 that we set up a website. We actually put pictures. Well, actually, let's go back before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, email came, email came and uh, digital photography. 
So we could send an email with a picture of the apartment and then website came. So we could put pictures on the website so people could see if they like them higher, lower, morning sun or afternoon sun. Uh, and, and then, of course, you don't need it all about. And has it always been in that building? It's always been, well, in this building, two buildings on one side and two buildings on the other side. This is Central Marbella Beachfront, and we are very niche, niche, niche in the in our location. Right. I was going to say, yeah, riches are in the niches. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> so you have to really narrow true. it down. This actually comes from real estate. Marbella is divided by the high street. So you have the street to the beach and the street to the mountain. And the street to the beach has always been our location ever since we, we were doing real estate. So, yeah. Wow. So you're a real insider. And is Marbella your hometown as well? No, I'm, I'm from, from Italy. I'm from Trieste, the north of Italy. In 1996, I was bored in the summer. So I went up to London to improve my English and do and some time abroad. And mm-hmm. after three weeks, I bumped into Vincenzo, who is from the south of Italy and was loved at first sight. And we traveled Europe together and ended up in Marbella a couple oh. of years later. I see. I see. So you were coming as a tourist at the beginning as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, after spending a winter in T-shirt, I decided that this was my place to be. Yeah. I don't know if you know, but I spent a winter in Marbella. I lived there for six months and it is the town I've ever been because I was swimming up till Christmas, you know, in the outdoor unheated pool. I was just up the hill from Porto Benus on the Andalusia. Yeah. In that side of, of Marbella. But yes, it is, it's, for me, coming from North America, from Canada, and then being in the UK, it was slightly unreal having good weather in December, you know? Like, it was hard for me to wrap my head around, why is the sun still warm, you know? I was expecting more rain, although when the rain came, I have never seen rain like that. Back at first. Well, that's it. It was like a mini, it was a mini flood you know, for like 10, 15 minutes and then it's gone again. So it was, it's really a different, a different atmosphere, you know, with the weather, but it was really enjoyable and lovely to be, you know, in the sun and swimming, you know, outside in in December. So I can, I can picture your area and how you're from the high street down to the beach, aren't you? And those areas. Okay. So we started in the last century Email came in, websites came in, <laughs> and then what happened next? And then channel managers and PMS came in. Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow. <laughs> well, we only started using them because, of course, Airbnb was uh, the new kid on the block and we all wanted to be on Airbnb because it was fashionable to be on mm-hmm. Airbnb and TripAdvisor and Booking. And we felt kind of, Wow. We're there, they're having us. So it means we are worth the while to be up there. And the first years were actually good. We started to get more people, especially in the low season, thanks to the channels, uh, to the OTI really. So we were pretty happy with them. But then of course, pandemic came and the walls showed their true face. I don't know how you said that in English. Uh, <laughs> I think that's great. So, yes. 
<laughs> and we saw we saw that was behind that that a big enterprise they don't care about anybody they don't care about us they don't care about the gap they only care about money they could be a bank really or any other big enterprise so we really started to cut them off I mean we never been over probably 15 20% OTA bookings we've always okay. been around 88% direct bookings because the bookings that comes through portals, we then convert them to direct. Because once you come to Merveya, you just keep coming back and coming back and coming back. I mean, this is where we thrive mm-hmm. on our, we have 65% repeat guests wow. that come year, year after year, twice a year, three times a year. I have mm-hmm. a lady with a son, I think she comes five times a year. Wow. And yeah. the majority of them, I mean, they've been coming for many, many years. So we know them, we, we see the children grow. Some children even get married here and we also have organized the wedding. So yeah, it's a, it's a really close community between repeat guest owners that come a lot on a holiday and us because, I mean, we live here, so we kind of keep this community together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how we got here, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, but I think it's <laughs> great to say, you know, if you're living there, you can keep that community and you've, you've realized that the, you know, the guest experience and treating your guests like friends, you know, welcoming them back because it is a destination, isn't it? And a, 60, it a 65% return guest rate is amazing. I mean, unless we kill them, they will keep coming back because, I mean, he, I mean, Marve, I always say that Marveya has something for everybody. You can mm-hmm. have a meal for 15 euro or for 15,000 euro and every step in between. Our guests, couples, families, they like the sea, they like the sun, they like good food. We also tell them where to go and eat and how to have the best experiences. There are a lot of activities they can do, like fun and surf, kayaking, walking, cycling. It's a very kind of relaxed holiday compared to the area where you stayed north of Puerto Banos. I mean, Puerto Banos is only six kilometers away, mm-hmm. but it could be 600 kilometers away. It's a whole other world, a completely other type of guest. I mean, ours are like residential. They like to go out. They go to the port here, have a drink. It, we don't have group of youngsters. It's just basically families, singles, couples. And it's great because they all know each other. You have the bunch of people that come in June, the other bunch that come in September, and they know each other and they hang out uh, with each other. So it, it's amazing. I know what they want and they know what to expect. And if you look at our reviews, the majority of them say, it's safe, it's easy, it's secure, and they're always there if we need anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is this is our our thing. I mean, we will always give them what they wanted and always kind of flowed with the time. If somebody was asking something different, okay, we, we start to give it to them. For example, when we started, apartment had no air conditioning. Then we started to put air conditioning, Wi-Fi. There was no Wi-Fi. There was mm-hmm. Wi-Fi. And I mean, if any any other new trend like the remote workers and digital nomads, I mean, we're always the first to jump with the new trend. So you said you've got ninety units in in the building. Yeah. How many yeah. are there in total? About three hundred. Oh wow! So it's huge. Yeah. It's, okay. It's huge. It's yeah. huge. And are those other ones? Are they inhabited by owners full time? Most of them. Yes. Some of them are empty. 
and mm-hmm. they only come, they don't rent them out. I mean, then people that can afford to keep the units and only come on holiday when they, what they want. Mm-hmm. Some other are permanent residents. I would say about 40% of the building is. And how have you, this isn't something we talked about before, but I'm curious to know how you've kept that relationship between those who are outside of your business, you know, those that are living in the building permanently with the guests. Have they always been happy that there's guests coming in, new people every week or every couple of weeks? Or have there been any issues, any friction there? No, not at all, because as I said, they are very good, respectful guests. So that the residents are very happy. I mean, and if you live in Marbella Center on the beachfront, you're born with tourism. I mean, okay. the, the, tourist, the tourism have been coming here to Marbella since the 60s. Yeah. So yes. any anybody that comes to Marbella, they are prepared. I mean, if you don't like the noise, you go live up in the hill. Yeah, yeah. I'm learning more and more about the groups of of people who are saying, you know, not in my backyard. I think people call them NIMBYs or something. And, yeah. you know, the minute they hear short-term rental or Airbnb, they get all up in arms. They don't want it in their area. For what I consider probably a lot of misinformation. However, it's interesting to hear your point of view that that has been the way it's been from the beginning. Yes, because that, I mean, down here, everybody, I mean, it's a tourist city and without tourism, Marbella wouldn't be what it is. I mean, real estate business is very important uh, for an investment is very important. There are some very good restaurants. Yes. Uh, All those places make sense because of the tourism. Marbella is a destination per se. I mean, you say Marbella in Canada, and they know it. You say in South mm-hmm. America, in India, in Australia, everybody has heard about Marbella. Yes, definitely. So, uh, yeah. Okay. People, people are used to put up with tourists here. Yeah. Yeah. And welcome it, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Because, I mean, if you're bright enough, you understand that uh, they pay for your living. Mm-hmm. They bring a lot of money. No, no money. Yes. Yes. Good. All right. Let's go back to, so Airbnb came in and you went into the OTAs and, but you were still keeping 80% direct, were you in this time? Yes. Yes. Because they were always, always repeat guests and then always word of mouth. For example, talking about Canadians, I said that before, the first couple came in 2012. And then they start bringing more couples and more neighbors and more neighbors. And this last winter, we had nearly 80 Canadians. So like, and the same, we have another Irish. 60% of our guests are from Ireland mm-hmm. and they talk to each other, especially the Irish. We have families. We have the grandparents, the parents and the children, like three generations is the norm. They take three or four apartments and then they tell the neighbor and the neighbor the next year brings the family. So this is how we go. Yes. Yeah. Word of word of mouth between the, the repeat guests. Mm-hmm. Got it. And and multi generational travel, which I think is amazing. Yes, I yes. Ne- I never travel with my parents. I mean, I travel with my children. I never traveled with my parents. Yeah, no, it's different, especially when you're looking yeah. at three generations traveling together. You need yeah. different things for the different generations, don't you? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. which is why this is great because each of them have their apartment. They can cook and eat and sleep whenever they want, and then they gather together around the pool or they go to the pool bar. We even have an Irish pub on site 
And then down at the beach, I mean, they, they go for, for fish, then they go for breakfast. I mean, they are together when they want to be together and they are separated when they want to be separated, which I think is the big advantage of a complex versus a villa. Yes. Multi-generation travel. Yeah. Because, you, you know, those grandkids bothering their yes. grandparents when they're having a nap. Exactly. Or, the, or vice versa. You know, if you've got young grandchildren, you don't want them woken up from their nap. So, right. yeah, no, I think it's a it's a winning, a winning formula, really. Yeah. When Airbnb and the OTAs came on the scene, you saw them as an acquisition source. Am I correct? Oh, yes. <clears throat> I saw them as the as kind of lifting us as a brand for being, because we, I mean, I, to begin with, we perceive them as advertising sites, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to be there, of course, they were all coming from America, nice and shiny. And so we saw them as an opportunity to grow as a brand, as a business. And we did. That's why we did. I mean, a lot yeah. of people discovered us through booking an Airbnb. And we got a lot of Americans and a lot of Australians, thanks to Booking.com and especially Expedia. Uh, but then, of course, um, it happened what happened. So, and we saw exactly what they were like, and they weren't yeah. really, they weren't trustworthy at all. So, this is why I think it's very, very important to make, especially the newbies that come into this business, understand that the data booking strategy and having your own website is absolutely key to your business. Yes. Yeah. So the pandemic hit and we all know the Airbnb just canceled bookings left, right and center, gave all their money back and with no communication to the hosts on their platform. How were you able to deal with the pandemic with your existing guests that your existing direct bookings? Well, the, the majority of people went home with rescue flights and some of them decided to stay. About 15% of the people stayed. They said oh, they didn't believe in it. Okay, it's just going to be two weeks. We stay here, we stay in the sun, we oh, no. the balcony. <laughs> Especially people that, because in winter they come, they come for a month or two months. So people that just came, they were here for maybe 10 days or two weeks, said, I'm not going back. So they stayed here and we all did lockdown together. We were doing shopping for them and kind of keeping each other company. But the rest of them went. Then summer 2020, we had a, like six weeks of summer, uh, a totally freaked out summer because there were no flights. People were driving down in from Belgium. I had people driving down from Prague. Like there were trains throughout Europe mm-hmm. only to come here and get a bit of sun. And, and then because I saw that another lockdown was coming, I said, okay, let's do something with it. And when we started closing up a farming in the first lockdown, people would ring me. I always had my laptop. I would sit on the terraces and type, uh, type replies and cancel bookings. And Vincenzo, that was always with me, he took, because our children were homeschooling on their own at home, he would take pictures and say, yeah, you see, you're locked up at home. And, and your mother is sunning herself on the balcony, <laughs> which wasn't true. I was, I was working. Yeah. So this, and I started to put these pictures online. Like, if I work from a sunny balcony, why can't you? Mm-hmm. So then this is how the digital nomad and remote working trend exploded in, in the pandemic. Because the, the following winter, we have like six or seven months of lockdown. They came like crazy. And also kind of as a result of the pandemic, all this community we had built over the years, I brought it online. 
with Facebook and Instagram. And Instagram has boomed for us for both digital nomad bookings and leisure clients booking. So, yeah. and then two years later, things came back to normal and I, I still keep my digital community and my like in-person community because basically now I keep in contact with them all year long. Mm-hmm. When when they're not here, they like to see what's going on, what new restaurants are opening, if there are new activities. Or basically, they like to keep in touch with us and to see to see what we do. Because basically, all we sell is a lifestyle. Yes, yes. Sell, uh, because it's like healthy, sunny, digital nomad lifestyle. This is this is what we are, and this is what we sell. Really. Mm-hmm. And they all yeah. want to do it. They all want to be part of this yeah. experience. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've invited you to come and speak at the third Direct Booking Success Summit, which is coming up in less than two months now, October 3rd to 5th. And you're going to come and speak about digital nomads and how you've, how you've capitalized on that trend of being able to work from, from anywhere. In fact, I actually know somebody who is in Marbella right now. I don't think they're staying with you, though. Unfortunately, but I know somebody who's in Marbella working from there, you know, which is great because I think when the pandemic hit and we were all scrambling to figure out what we were going to do, what the future held, you know, you were looking for opportunities, which really I think sets you apart from a lot of people. You, a lot of people are licking their wounds, you know, and for me, this is what's happened. And you were looking to the future and saying, what can I do? What, who who come and stay here? And now that we're not in that situation, we're not in the pandemic. And it, oh, I really hope we never have to ever see that anything like that again. But we do have the slow periods. We have, you know, low season, people midweek, you know, clients come to me a lot of the times, how do I get more midweek bookings? And I think digital nomads, it's not going away. It was maybe a silver lining from the pandemic is that what we realize is that a lot of us can work from anywhere. We don't need to be in an office. I was actually a digital nomad before it was popular I used to travel and work from wherever I was, but I would have to lie to my clients of where I was because it wasn't the same world. They thought that if you weren't in the city and you weren't, you know, in the office, that you weren't working in it. We've really proven that not to be true. So I'm so happy that you are coming to the the summit and you're going to be talking about digital nomads because I think this is going to be something that continues, you know, it's post pandemic now and people can, so many people can work from anywhere. So have you, you've kept this up. So are you still seeing the drive for, for digital nomads for accommodation? Totally. And not only in low season, but even uh, now in high summer, mm-hmm. people that, for example, could stay one week because they can work from here. They stay two and three weeks. Right. So the longer bookings, the longer booking. And I mean, this is a bit off topic, really. But in, in real estate, we have seen an increase in size of properties, but not only what I call normal price property, which is below half a million euros, but a lot of properties between two and five million euros on the Golden Mile or in the area of Nueva Andalusia, where you were. Mm-hmm. Uh, very wealthy families from Scandinavia especially that they, I mean, 
All this started at the end of summer 2020 when they saw that there was another lockdown. They said, no, we've been at home for three months already. We're not getting locked up again. They came here and took uh, either bought straight away or took a year lease and then bought the year after. But Marbella has now beaten the, the seasonality. It came, uh, the news came out like three or, months, three or four months ago across all national newspapers. We are the, the first destination in Spain to have broken the, the seasonality. And that is thanks to either relocation or digital nomad. I mean, relocation are people that, for example, the family is based here mm-hmm. and the most parents work remotely and maybe once every other week. One has to travel because they're based in London, in Berlin, in Stockholm, in Oslo. So they go there three or four days, do what they need to do in person. And everything else is just done online. Mm-hmm. And the family has an amazing quality of life. So are you saying that Marbella no longer has a low season? No. Wow. Actually, if you want to come to Marbella, come in winter. Yes. November, December, January, February. February. I had February the same occupancy that I had in July and August. In February, I never have a bed. Wow. And do you think that other locations can do this as well? Oh, yes. Relocation has done so much for Malaya. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because of the quality of life. Because what I was saying before, that people want this lifestyle of being outside all the time, eating fresh, healthy local foods. I mean, the fishing, it's amazing. And the, the weather, the weather is fantastic. I mean, if people have the courage to take the plunge and relocate to, to warmer climates, it, it's such an improvement in life. If, and I'm not going to give anything out until the summit. <laughs> in the summit, I'm going to talk to you about a new guest. A new guest. A new type of guest. A new, new, new. Yeah. A new type of guest that emerged from the pandemic. Something wow. that I've never seen before. Well, okay. I don't know what you're reading, so I can hardly wait. I can't wait to see your presentation. That sounds really exciting. Really exciting. But I can see what you're doing there. You know, it's the it's the destination marketing. It's being that that local expert along with the people being able to work from anywhere, the digital nomads. And it's a it's a perfect storm, isn't it? It's a perfect yeah. relationship between between what you're doing there and creating a community and those who can work, you know, from their balconies like you did. And a lot of people that were leisure guests, people that were only coming for a week or two weeks, they say, okay, let's give it a try. And they booked, they booked for a month in winter and stay, of course, every year, every year, every year. Mm-hmm. Because of course, a lot of people have commitments at home. They have parents, sisters, you know, yeah. you know how it is, family yes. life. Yes. <laughs> Yes, no, I'm no longer a digital nomad. I was, it was before children, you know. <laughs> there you go. Now I'm very fortunate because my, my children are 18 and 20. They're working with us. So now we can digital nomad a bit more. In fact, this, this autumn we have a lot of travelers booked around conferences, of course. Yeah. Let's see. If, uh, we will meet work and leisure. Great. Great. I love it. I really do. And I love to see what you are, are doing in Marbella. And yeah, I think it's just, it's just amazing. If anybody is looking to come to the summit and they want to hear your, your talk on, on digital nomads and this new type of guest that has emerged, <laughs> which sounds really exciting. Is there anything else that you can tell people about what you're going to be speaking about? 
Well, the title of the presentation is how to attract the digital nomad, how to nurture them and how to keep them. So I will teach you from A to Z what you have to do to try with this new type of tech, which is the normal digital nomad and the new type of digital nomads. Oh, exciting. <laughs> Very exciting. Well, I've, I've, loved, I've loved speaking to you today. I think, you know, to speak to someone who's been in this business since the previous century. <laughs> now that is going to give away and not my age. I'm over 25. Yes. <laughs> I know. But it's, it's, you know, I think you're probably the same as me when you think of the last century. I think of, you know, like I think of, you know, a hundred years ago, not just, you know, 23 years ago. But no, you've been you've been in this business a long time, and the the relationship between real estate and holiday rentals in Marbella is really interesting. And I think a lot of cities could learn from what Marbella is doing. When I hear about regulations coming in and people saying, "Not in my backyard," you know, I, I think, yeah, like like how you you put it, you know, you have to realize that tourism brings in money, you Absolutely. know, tons of money, tons of mm-hmm. money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I read the statistic about the uh, how much money uh, tourists bring in Spain, I don't believe them because they are extremely low, extremely yeah. low. And especially in Andalusia, where we are, which is the south of Spain, Andalusia has the biggest heritage places of Spain, like Seville, Cordoba, Granada. Mm-hmm. And the tourism is over 50% yeah. of, of the whole thing. Over 50%. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think a lot, lot of places could be like this. Lots of places could just use tourism as their really main source of mm-hmm. income. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people living in, in cities that are tourism focused don't understand the financial implications of, of tourism and and how that benefits their lives. So I think it's it's interesting to be watching what's happening in, in Marbella and not having a low yeah. season anymore. You know, <laughs> I think that's yeah. easy. So yeah. I, I mean, what, what's, what's best what's best to welcome people into your own home and showing them your town and showing them where to eat, where to drink, how mm-hmm. to have the most amazing time, how to have an experience, quality time with your family and your friends. I mean, it, mm-hmm. I think is is the best job in the world, really. Yeah, yeah. And, and you make a lot of people happy. Yeah. And what you're saying is pure hospitality. You're not in yeah. it to make a quick buck. You know, you're not in it for heads on beds. You know, it's it's pure hospitality. Yeah. No. It's passion. It's passion for people. That's my thing. That's it. That's it. And it comes across. It really does. Yeah. So I can't let you go without asking, what does direct booking success mean to you? Freedom. The freedom to set our rules into our home. We're not depending on anybody, our policies, our cancellation, saying who I allow into our home because, I mean, they're all individually owned, but mm-hmm. I feel them like mine. I, I have a responsibility for this apartment. Yeah. So, yes, direct booking is freedom, freedom to to build your business on your own land, really. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. Yeah. The OTAs can help you with that acquisition, but they're not... They're not, they're not the end game. 
you know, they're no, not the... Absolutely not. Yeah, right. absolutely not. So where can listeners connect with you? I'll put some of these links in the show notes. What is your Instagram? My Instagram is at marbella.holidays. My name, Daniela Berin. Facebook, I think, is Daniela Vincenzo Marbella. And then my email, really shoot me an email, info at marbellaholiday.bf. And I am always there, happy to answer any question. Yes. And we'll see you at the Direct Booking Success Summit in October. Thank you again, Daniela, for coming on today. Thank you so much for uh, letting me share my story. And hopefully we've inspired somebody to do some direct booking strategies. Yes. Yes, I hope so too. Thanks, Daniela. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to the Direct Booking Success Podcast. For more information about this episode and others, head to the website directbookingsuccess.com slash podcast. See you next time.